You're listening to the San Antonio Public Library's podcast, Tuned In. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. Our sound engineer is Dan Garcia, and show notes for this and other episodes can be found at guides.mysapl.org forward slash SAPL Tuned In. I'm JD, along with Raquel, and today we're going to interview the co-captains of the starship known as the Escape the Earth podcast. Welcome, Liz and Tim, to the Tuned In podcast. Thanks for having us here. Hello. Thanks. Welcome (laughs) to the Tuned In podcast, a podcast where no one has ever tuned in before. <laughs> Tim, we're too young to be throwing that kind of shade. Well, I used to be on tuned in. Well, I, I think technically you abandoned are. Yes. You could, yes, technically I still am. It's going to have like a, a monopoly of podcasts it's all over the place. Right, Sci-fi, right. library stuff, cheese. Anyway, <laughs> We were already too far on subject. Let's wheel it back in and uh, tell the listeners what your all's interest in sci-fi is, how it came about, and how this podcast came about. Uh, okay. You go first, Tim. What was the question? I was going to say, back, <laughs> back to our first question. <laughs> if you could more acutely define your interest in sci-fi, uh, what got you interested in, in it and what brought about this uh, podcast you're, you're making now? So what got me interested in sci-fi really, I read a lot of sci-fi growing up, um, starting out with comic books and just sort of naturally fell into sci-fi and uh what I like about it the most is its ability to explore not just scientific issues but uh social perspectives as well and social problems and social issues um, You really get a lot of people who have put in writers who have put together a lot of put in a lot of thought to try and build alternative realities and experiment with the uh, the possibilities for how future societies could be built. And um, ultimately, most of them end up being imperfect, but but I think it's a, a very interesting way to look at the world. And, and that's part of the great thing about being human. You can build these models and you can run these experiments without actually doing it and just see, see what kind of happens. And, and yeah, it's a, I can get deep into the world building. Yes, Tim likes world building books because I'm still real salty about a book we just recorded the episode over. But anyways, um, <laughs> so funnily enough, my thing is more focused on fantasy. Mm. So I like some sci-fi. Uh, I've read a couple of really great sci-fi books, but I'm definitely more firmly planted in the fantasy realm. And I started with that because <laughs> childhood trauma yeah um, I used it as escapism when I was younger and then I just like just kept at it and then there's so many like awesome writers now 
And there's so many amazing stories. You're seeing a lot more diversity in the genre because the genre has been historically very white and male dominated. So now you're seeing more just like tons of diversity in terms of gender and identity and also representation of other cultures. Fantasy, but just like in the sci-fi fantasy genre as a whole. Um, I think that's what's kept me into it. Uh, yeah. Well, and just think about all the things that, that used to be science fiction that actually exists now. I mean, I think that's a really interesting thing, too. You know, like, there was a time when people looked at you like you were kooky dukes if you said that one day men would set foot on the moon or that we'd be sending remote control cars to Mars. And mm-hmm. and we've done all those things. I mean, they still look at me like I'm kooky dukes. But but that was actually going to be one of my questions, and I'll ask it now. What's What's your favorite thing that back in the day – was science fiction, but we have now. And also, what is something that science fiction has not materialized yet, but something you would be looking forward to, like a lightsaber or transportation? What's it called? The Star Trek thing? We beam someone up? Yeah, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was Star Wars. Don't even. Ah. Don't even. <laughs> Don't even. Um. Well, I feel like this is where Tim's and my age is going to show, like, the difference in our ages. Because <laughs> whenever, whenever you say back in the day for me, it's really not that long ago. I'm only 26. <laughs> um, <laughs> for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I Liz, age-shaming everybody. Way to go, I know. Liz. I'm just saying... What I think is like cool right now is like, well, I've cut. It's like always been here for, for me. you. Yeah. So it's like it's it's kind of. I don't think my point of view on the or my answer to that question will be as interesting because I mean I've kind of seen all these things kind of come into fruition as I've grown up, mm-hmm. like the iPhones, or not just iPhones but like smartphones, and then now we got smart watches and now we have drones and I mean those are like very mainstream examples but I mean yeah it's like I've kind of seen it come into fruition as it's been being developed so I I guess it's not as novel or as like whoa it kind of is though because me me and Tim are pretty close to the same age and you just mentioned what my favorite thing that came about was um, although back in the day they were talking to another smart device, they didn't think it would be a phone. They probably thought that's backwards technology talking to your phone, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely my favorite thing, Siri and such. Um, Tim, what about you? What's your favorite realization of sci-fi? Um, well, I, I have to say, like some of the um, the new transportation trends are are pretty interesting. Like the self-driving vehicle is almost here. Mm. Sorry to all you cab and truck drivers out there. It's going to ruin your days, but but I do find the fact that we are on the verge of having vehicles that will drive themselves is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, as far as for what I want that has not been realized yet, I would have to say I'm a guy, so I want a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> I want a lightsaber to put, like, on my Batman utility belt <laughs> right next to my bed. And 
Then the other thing would be the ability to have my DNA meshed with tiger DNA. Okay. Nice, nice. I would want my DNA meshed with the T-Rex or a Velociraptor. Hmm. I think it already is. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you know, Velociraptors really weren't as cool as they are in Jurassic Park, so you may want to rethink that one. <laughs> no! I love blue! They, they're like 30 pounds and they had feathers. They look, they look like kind of angry dodos. Oh, and then yeah, it fit me perfectly. <laughs> Originally, I was going to ask if your podcast was just for uh, diehard sci-fi fans, but listening to it and listening to you guys now, um, it's really apparent your camaraderie comes across, and you're very like um, easy behind the easy going behind the the mic. Did that did that just come from day one, or did it take a while? Because I know. Even when you're with friends and stuff, you put a mic in front of someone, it gets a little weird sometimes. But I don't see that at all with you guys, and you're to be commended for it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it took us some time. <laughs> we recorded, like, the first episode I don't know how many times. In fact, we recorded a completely different first episode that, like, I don't think it's ever going to air because it, like, it ended up just being, like, our practice run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But, I mean, Tim and I have always talked about books. Ever since I started uh, working under him at Parman, and then I moved to Igo, and he was the branch manager of Igo, and, like, we would always just talk about books. I'd be like, Tim, you have to read this. So whose idea was it to to do this podcast? Sorry. No, it's Tim. It was Tim. Ah. He's always wanted to do the podcast. (laughs) So, no, we, I mean, we've always talked books, uh, uh, and we talk a lot of book smack. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, it, it's been a fun thing. And it's not for hardcore sci-fi fans at all. I mean, it's for anybody who wants to know more about the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are really trying to, to bring in like that knowledge that will help people understand some of the trends that they're seeing and some of the subgenres and and learning about those things as well uh while while we discuss them and make fun of each other yeah yeah because yeah, i mean i feel like there is still very much a barrier between people who like aren't already into sci-fi and like fantasy things and the people who are and that, I mean, I think it's starting to come down, but, I mean, it's still very much like, I remember I had this one instance at IGO, and I was still a circuit attendant, and somebody was looking for a sci-fi book, and he's like, my my book club wants to read a sci-fi book, he's like, but I know nothing about sci-fi, like, I don't understand any of it, and all sort of stuff, and he was just like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, it's okay, I was like, I got a book for you. I was like, it's a sci-fi book, it's funny, it's super approachable, even though it is full of, like, AI and, like, space travel, um, but, like, it's very, what? I was gonna say, now tell me what you know about string theory. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Um, and, 
And, you know, whenever I, I did give him the book, he was like, oh, okay, this is great. I think he was more happy that it was a novella, so that's, like, under, that's under 150 pages, usually. So he's probably like, hallelujah, it's not, like, a tome. But... Was that Murderbot Diaries? Yes, it was, Jeff! Stop calling me out! <laughs> I recommend yeah. it to everybody! Yeah, it's weird that there's that that um, stigma with, with the genre. Like it's, it's it's been around for so long, but there's still that stigma with it. I was I forget what I was listening to recently, but they were talking action movies, and someone was like saying all these cool movies that he liked, but he was not going to watch The Matrix because it had too much of that element. It's like, are are you kidding me? <laughs> Even if you hate sci-fi, the action alone, it's it's, it's weird. But they won't touch it with a ten-foot pole for some reason. That's interesting. I've never seen that movie, actually, so I know I'm kind of, like, on that weird end of the spectrum, but I love sci-fi movies, and I don't, I just have never gotten into that one. I don't know why, but. We're, we're just watching, we're just watching. I know, we were just watching uh, you talk, you muted yourself, you're, Raquel. You're muted. What is wrong with this thing? It's like doing She's really like explaining you. how she feels about you guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Um, obviously, I'm not uh, real tech savvy. I muted myself without even knowing. But Your I was computer just. Computer heard you say you never watched The Matrix, and it was like. And then said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I was trying to delete her. That's what happened. <laughs> I was like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know. I've never. I've just never gotten around to it. But yeah. I'm learning because it's like you guys are. Um, that you mentioned the age gap. And I think it's really interesting that you all are still able to have this conversation because a lot of times the people just kind of are very dismissive. And I think it's cool that y'all kind of have this really cool um, banter and whatnot that, and you're still getting the message across about what you, what you read or what you're reading. I think it's cool. So I'm listening. I, I know I was supposed to do research and I apologize. I haven't gotten into it because I'm super busy. It's all cool. I'm not gonna Honestly, get blurred. Raquel was telling me science fiction. That's for nerds. I mean, she's not wrong, JD. <laughs> she's not wrong. I will gladly and forever identify as like a nerd and a weeb. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my belly that says "Geek Pride." <laughs> Okay, let's explore the age gap more with this question. What are your favorite sci-fi fantasy villains and heroes or heroines or whatever you want to call them, protagonists? Okay, you got to narrow that down for me, sir. Are we talking in books or movies or shows? All of it. Like, just favorite across, you know, if it's your favorite's from a book, cool. If your favorite's from a movie, cool. Okay, I'll let Tim go first because I'm actually going to go grab some books so I can show y'all because I don't remember the main character's name. <laughs> That'll go really good for an uh, audio-based show. Shut up! So good to grab up! <laughs> so, but, like, the villain is really easy um, because it's Lex Luthor. Huh. I mean, come on. Who could bring Superman to their knee, to his knees, you know? Lex Luthor, rich, smart, talented. He's, he's a great villain. Um, hero, yeah, the, what started it off for me really was 
and I talk about it in the intro episode, is the Savage Sword of Conan the Barbarian, so I have to go with Conan. Good that, stuff, that, I promise. <laughs> that, was, that was my intro to, uh, to the fantasy uh, genre, and yeah. To this day, I say Krom <laughs> when I can't curse. Uh, did you mention a villain, Tim? I did. Mine was Lex Luthor. Mm, I feel like Smallville ruined Lex Luthor for me because I'm just like, oh, they made him not seem like a total like. I can't well, see. Feel- that's great because I never saw Smallville, so I'm I'm still thinking of Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor. Oh no! Okay, Smallville was great. I dedicated ten years of my life to Smallville. And I loved it until the ending that was literally the worst! (laughs) (laughs) Worse than Game of Thrones? No, Game of Thrones still takes the cake. That is just some some bull crap. G-O-T. It jumped the dragon. (laughs) Um, So I grabbed this book. I know nobody can see it. That's not the point. Um, so I grabbed this book because one of my favorite heroines is in this book. out. Swacked myself in the face. <laughs> By the way, Tim, Book Smack would be a great, great name for a podcast. Okay, let's, if we have to rename it, then we'll call it Book Smack. <laughs> yes. If we, but, if we get a trademark suit. Oh, my gosh. No one's going to sue us, Tim. I'm working but, on litigation right now, actually. <laughs> what? Uh, so, fun fact, I actually don't know how to say this person's name. One Always. It's one of- <laughs> Can't we ever have one conversation where we know everybody's name? <laughs> I know. That's something that always seems to come up in our podcast because we're like, uh, we don't know how to say this. So we've just been saying it like this and then we spend like five minutes being like, or it could be like this. Or it could be like this. This is obviously a French-inclined name. So in my head, while I was reading all three of these books, I said her name, Joyu. That saying it out loud sounds very wrong. Whatever. It's the heroine in the trilogy by Mercedes Lackey um, called Hunter. She has been my favorite heroine since I read these books because she's not stupid. Um, she's not, like, that Hunger Games and a lot of... Whoa, whoa. I, th- I think the few listeners we still had <laughs> just left the game. Just hey, you know what? They gotta, they gotta accept reality, man. They gotta <laughs> accept reality. Katniss was, like, this old, oh, no, I'm an impoverished heroine, but I'm still beautiful and very skilled, and oh, no, these two hot guys want me. <laughs> Beauty shame. Thank you for elaborating, because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and this character is not like that, thankfully. Like, she, like, she's emotional, and she realizes she's emotional, like all humans, but she doesn't ever let it um, really affect her. And she's like, I have my training. Yes, I feel X, Y, Z, but like, this is my job. This is what I need to do. And she does it and she doesn't get all angsty and other crap about it. And I'm just like, Oh, I appreciate that with every fiber of my soul. 
And she's super cool because she has like these mythical like canine-esque partners and as the series goes on she ends up getting more of them so she ends up having like this ginormous like over like 10 plus pack of these mythical animals just like backing her up I'm just like that is my dream (laughs) but like with real dogs and if my dogs weren't so dorky because my dogs are dorks (laughs) anyway she's my favorite hero I do not have a favorite villain I don't think yeah, no, I don't really have a favorite villain. Katniss. <laughs> He's not a villain. She's just a dope. Cersei Lannister. She's not my favorite villain. I just flat out hated her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what about Tywin Lannister? Tywin? Is that the dad? Uh-huh. I also just hated him. I felt like he was kind of a necessary evil, right? Yeah, he was... he's the type of person that that every every government needs, but they don't want to admit they need him. But he was kind of he was kind of a stock character. He he was he somewhat was. cool, but there wasn't a lot of depth there. Yeah, he was really just a plot device. He was he was made to die on the toilet, but yep. That's what <laughs> okay, Obama's, I guess my favorite Obama's villain. Some really bad lines. You're you're my favorite son. I hate you. I never wanted you. <laughs> Come on, make up your mind, scriptwriters. When I think of my favorite villain, like if I focus in on Game of Thrones, it's probably going to be Littlefinger. And the only reason he's my favorite villain is because I did love. I absolutely loved the way he died. So well, now now I'm trying to think of great villains. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't really like villains. I mean, villains are villains, and I don't usually like them. I'm just like, yeah, I want you dead. What about Loki? He's not really a villain. I He's just—I yeah, don't consider him a villain. He's villain-esque. He definitely has a. I mean, there's some things you, a case could be made. Definitely. I mean, he's chaotic, so some sometimes it's not going to be pure evil, but. He's just more of a, I mean, he's a trickster, and I mean, and you always kind of take that with a, take, like, what they do with a grain of salt. So, but I don't really see that as a villain. I just see that as a character. Okay, let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in. Uh, okay, so we mentioned, well, Tim mentioned in the beginning about sci-fi, and um, I forget what he said exactly, but it's to the point that, it, it's something that either could happen hypothetically or some science is out there and like how it would go wrong in the future through your um, many years of reading. What's kind of come true that you're like, wow, you know, they kind of had it dead on. I, I didn't think maybe back in the day and I'm not talking about devices. I'm talking more like, you know, like a catastrophe or um, I don't know, something gets out of hand or whatever. I feel like environmental issues are kind of starting to come to fruition. Yeah, that's Um, the big one. Yeah. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the Ugly series by Scott Westerfeld. Yeah, definitely. In that one, I mean, the big thing that kind of created the dystopian culture that the book takes place in is environmental issues. And you see it continue throughout the series. Like, I remember in a later book, they are purposely like burning fields of these certain flowers because they're basically a super invasive species. And if they don't burn them, 
it'll take over and destroy all the other vegetation because like it sucks all the nutrients and everything off. So like they have to like even though the flowers are so pretty, like they have to burn them because if not, like nothing else will grow and there's pockets like you have the established culture and uglies and then you have like I guess like the rebel culture. I can't think of a better word for it right now. Um that are trying to like, you know, farm and do all this other stuff. Um kind of like the way things used to be done now that the land went to poop and then kind of um like reestablished itself. Uh but yeah, like the grazing of those flowers, like, you know, they have to get rid of those. And then there's like a really big emphasis on not um, overusing resources in that book because they're like, we're going to end up exactly the way we were that caused all of this to begin with. So years ago, I read a book called A Canticle for Leibowitz. And that one, it's sort of broken up into three parts. And there's only one character that the, each part is many, many years away from the part that precedes it. And the only character that's consistent throughout is this monk. And in the last two parts, he's a, he's a basically a pile of bones. He, he just appears, but, but neither here nor there. I mean, the, the discussion on that is, and this is where it turns dark is just the human propensity to destroy ourselves. Um, it, essentially it's a book that covers many centuries and shows how we think we're getting advanced. We think we're advancing. We think we're advancing and then we make the same mistake over and over and over. And, uh, it was really a novel written against nuclear holocaust and um and i think that is what he shows very overtly but what i take away from it is that you know you can't forget the past you have to remember it and and not doom yourself to these endless cycles of repetition yeah and i think that also goes back to like uh, what you mentioned at the very beginning, Tim, about like how sci-fi is a way to explore the what ifs of, of various situations and circumstances, and like your response right there brings in like a like a like a tangible impact with the more sociological um, origin, if that makes sense. I'm trying to figure out like the best way to describe this. But it's like, you know, human nature will inevitably cause X, Y, Z. I just think that goes back to what you said earlier. How about this or what if um, in sci-fi writing? A lot of people look at Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 as like anti-censorship, which wasn't his main theme. His main theme was like media influence over people, like being like puppets. And at the time, you know, to media and the influence of it. And at the time we're talking like a black and white television set that was probably the size of a loaf of bread in a few people's houses. Now, like the poorest among us have, you know, big color TVs. We, most of us have smart um, TVs as well as smartphones. I just said, it's my favorite thing, but I'm aware 
I'm not only like, you know, walking, we all are walking around with like a big influencer that's also collecting data. It was like what he was trying to say, he got extrapolated, like he nailed it. And like the warning was there, but we were all just like, okay, what more information do you want? Here's my DNA. Right. Which makes me think of George Orwell's 1984. Yes. You know what I mean? Because we're literally being monitored at all times. So. I've had these discussions with people that are like worried that, you know, the the government is going to uh, to insert uh, tracking devices under your skin. And I'm like, why would they do that? They've invented one that you'll carry with you everywhere willingly. Um, Yeah. I've had people at the library who didn't want to show their license to get a card and they're like, I don't want to be in any computers. And I'm like, well, did you drive here? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But then you're on some computers. Imagine how many cameras you passed on your way here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're being pinged as we speak, sir. Yeah. I kind of forgot that? about Fahrenheit 451. I'm glad you brought that up, JD. Because, I mean, I remember reading it in high school. Because it was so never... old, right, Liz? It was so old. <laughs> <laughs> You're throwing your own ageism shade now. It's not even me. <laughs> you were in high school, honey, so I don't know what that says. Uh, that was a little over a decade. No, I'm not even a decade yet out of high school because I graduated in 2012. I'm almost a decade out. Our, our next school. our next guest is 14 and she'll be talking about Liz's opinions on everything. <laughs> no, okay. I have, I have an 18 year old nephew and whenever he turned 18, I was like, I'm old. <laughs> Aging is a privilege. Just remember that. Yes. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, Fahrenheit 451 in high school. Oh, yeah. And, okay, so, like, I read it in my English class, and they definitely did focus more on the censorship aspects. But, I mean, yeah, you you bring up a super valid point, J.D., that it basically, like, what was written in that book is basically what we do now. We just don't have walls that are screens, but we have TVs that are big enough, basically, to cover the whole yeah. wall. So, I mean, I think that counts. Well, um, and 1984 is relevant, too, because I see I see that a lot. People who are just fully willing to ignore what we took for truth yesterday and will say the opposite today, even though we can clearly see you know, yeah. that that the time has changed. Sorry. Um, you know, just just arguing things that anybody could see is are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot to do in, in the next uh, in the next uh, generation with teaching information literacy and how to evaluate. Um, sources of information and where they're coming from, and yeah, and to use your own mind to to ferret out what uh, what you truly believe is real. Exactly, exactly. All right, um, 
before we start meandering around, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. So I'll probably cut that out. But like, um, so thanks. Uh, Raquel, do you have any more, anything else to tell our lovely guests? Well, I did have a question. So I know you get, so I know Tim, you like the sci-fi and I know Liz, you like the, the fantasy. So I'm into, uh, like supernatural. Does that fall into the fantasy category mm-hmm. or? Okay. Yeah, because it's... I am a geek. Yay! Yes. No, yeah, Supernatural definitely falls into fantasy because that's, like, gods, magic, Mm -hmm. those types of things. Sci-fi, I feel like it's definitely more, like, science. So, like, if it gets more science-y, then it's more sci-fi. But there is also that subgenre within the sci-fi fantasy where it's, like, magic uses science to, like, do stuff. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist and all like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. see that. Or God Punk. Yes, or God Punk. We talked okay. about that on, on our most recent episode that we recorded. Awesome. I just wanted clarification and I wanted to be included, so thank you for including me. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Okay, well, Liz, Tim, thanks for joining us. Um, Do you want to put a, a blurb in for your your podcast before we wrap up? Uh, you heard it. Uh, <laughs> you should totally come listen to our podcast if you want to learn about sci-fi fantasy books you may want to be reading. And we also have really fun discussions and we never know how to pronounce names. So come join us as we fumble over letters. New episodes drop the first of every month. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening, and get connected on mysapple.org with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Flickr, Instagram, and follow tuned in on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music.